in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Now, the earth was what? Without shape, it was empty. Tohu evohu in the Hebrew. It was formless and void of the old King James. And darkness, it says, was over the watery deep. In other words, chaos ruled over the created realm. Darkness filled every corner of creation. The nothing of the watery deep was all that existed. And the nothing had structure. Nothing had meaning. As we said earlier, chaos ruled. But the Spirit of God hovered over the water. And into this darkness, God spoke what? Light. Into the chaos, God spoke order. Into the deep nothingness, God placed his created realm over which he would rule. And he said that that light was good. He put darkness in its place, and the light now ruled over what was once unruly. And in the light of God's creation, we find his glorious splendor. We see the only one who has authority, power, and ability to bring order to chaos. Why? As we just sang, he is above all things. Last week, if you were with us, uh, we beheld the beauty of the reality that this same creator God that we see in Genesis 1 it's not a God who does, it just desires to stay far away, who's the, the divine watchmaker to wind the world up and just kind of let it go on its own. But no, He is a God who desires to remain from the very beginning to be Emmanuel, God with us. And though we've separated ourselves from Him, He has made a way for us to draw near to and to be in His presence whenever we desire. And he has chosen, we saw last week, to do that through the what? Anybody remember? Start with the T. The tabernacle. A heaven on earth place where the very glory of God and his light would reside with his people. And if you remember last week, we looked at the kind of the trajectory of the Old Testament, right? Walking through the Old Testament and how God resided in these tabernacles both the temporary one, but also the permanent one known as the temple, to show his people that he loved them and he wanted them near to him. But we also saw through the prophet Isaiah that what? They had forgotten their God. They had forgotten Yahweh. And no longer did they even recognize who he was. Yet Yahweh did not leave them forsaken. We saw last week at the end of the part one of the trilogy, right? A glimmer of hope. One who would be called Emmanuel would appear one day and be called also the Prince of Peace. And he would rule in righteousness and fairness and justice. Well, this week, we've been waiting with bated breath 
wondering, who could that be? And this week, we get to find out who that is. But first, we look a little further into the prophecies of the one to come so we fully know who he is. Just like a good trilogy, part two, you don't see it all resolved in the first five minutes, right? You might need a little reminder. You might actually go, what is going to be? And then finally, the reveal will come. I want to go back with you, back to Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles. And in Isaiah chapter 9 is the, the same place where the famous passage about you know, this man, the one coming be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's the same prophecy, but at the start, there's the pro, you know, the pro, of this prophecy about what Yahweh would do for his people before he sends this one, or in sending this one. What would he do with his people? And I want to read this, and I want to see, is there anything that maybe sounds a little bit familiar here? Let's look at this, verse, verse 2 of chapter 9. And this is after, you know, he's giving the idea that God is going to come and deliver his people. And he says in verse 2, the people are walking in what? Darkness. But yet they see a bright light. A light shines on those who live in a land of deep darkness. What do we see here? What does this sound like? Genesis chapter 1, right? Genesis chapter 1. Isaiah tells us there are people that have fallen back into what? After chapter 1. Fallen back into darkness. Back into chaos. A people who are helpless, a people who are without form, who are void of any hope. Yet, in this darkness, there shines what? A bright light. I want to look a little bit further into this light. Isaiah starts it here, he has it throughout, but I want to look a little bit further into this light. Turn with me to chapter 60. I want to read through the first five verses. God is talking to the people saying what this light will look like when it shows up. Look at this in chapter 60 of Isaiah. He says, Arise, shine, for your light arrives. And this light that's going to arrive among the people, this is speaking to the people of Israel, this light is going to be the splendor, or we saw it last week, is the, anybody remember? What other word do you have in your translation? Do you have another word? The glory, the kavod, the heaviness, the weightiness of Yahweh shines on you. All of the glory of God, of Yahweh God, is going to shine upon you. For look, what? Darkness covers the earth. Chaos covers the earth. Hopelessness, deep darkness covers not only the earth, but also what? The nations. The people are without hope. The people are without light to walk by. But, but Yahweh shines where? On you. His splendor, His glory, His weightiness appears where? Not to you, but interestingly, over you. Hold on to that one for a minute. Nations will come to your light. Kings to your bright light. It's like a moth to the flame. They're going to come to you. Why? Because only in you is there what? Light. 
You know, they say you can see a struck match from about 20 miles away if, you're, if the conditions are right. A small match, light, will draw. He says, look all around you. They gather and they come to you. Your sons come from far away. Your daughters are escorted by guardians. Then look, you will look and smile. And you will be excited and your heart will swell with pride. I love this. For the riches of distant lands will belong to you. And the wealth of nations will come to you. Isaiah tells of a prophecy over and over of what? Of a light that will come and will shine upon the people who are in darkness. But not only that, but in this light, the very glory of Yahweh will be with them when it appears. And if you think in the Old Testament, where do we typically find other instances of the glorious light the Shekinah glory of Yahweh God residing with His people. Where do you typically see the glory residing with the people? In the tabernacle, right? If you remember back in Exodus chapter 40, we looked at this last week. Real quick, Exodus 40, at the very end, after the, the tabernacle was built and put together, verses 34 and 35, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. And Moses wasn't able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud set on it, and the glory of Yahweh filled the temple. And then you go to Leviticus, the very first sacrifices that were made in the temple when the priesthood was put together. And they, they've come, and the people are all gathered around the tabernacle, and the priests do their sacrifice. And look at verse 23. After he lifted up and he, he gave the offering, Moses and Aaron then entered into the meeting tent. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the what? Glory of Yahweh appeared to all people. And let me ask you a question. Where from the time of David on did this tabernacle reside permanently? Anybody remember? In where? But what, what place? Yes, it was in the temple, like location-wise. I heard it. Jerusalem, right? David brought this tabernacle into Jerusalem when he was king. He brought it, or, and he brought the ark to Jerusalem, and it was his son that, remember last week, he set up the permanent place, the permanent house for Yahweh. And this temple in Jerusalem. So Je Jerusalem, throughout the scriptures, is a symbol of what? The very presence of Yahweh. Why? Because his presence was in the tabernacle. And the presence was in Jerusalem. But yet again, the people what? They forgot. The people forgot about the presence. And there would be what? Darkness. But watch this. You recall Isaiah 7, 14 last week, famous verses, probably the most famous about one that's going to come. He said, I'm going to give you a sign and that a woman will give birth to a child and you will name his, you'll call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want you to flip to Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one, there's going to be one that is coming that's going to be named Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1 starts with the, the genealogy of Jesus. And looking at all the generations that come from Adam all the way to him, or sorry, from Abraham to Jesus. 
And look in verse uh, 21 through 23. This is kind of the end of the prophecy, right? God comes to this woman, Mary, and he says she's going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son. And look at verse 21. She will give birth to a son, Mary, and you will name him who? Jesus. Yeshua. Which means Yahweh will bring salvation. Yahweh will deliver. You will name him Yeshua. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And this all happened so that there was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be revealed. In verse 23, this is going back to Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary is going to be the one that's bringing the child that's going to be the fulfillment of God with us. But is this merely poetic language, or is there, mere, is there more to it than this? I want to look at the very next chapter. Jump down to, to 2.1 and see if there's anything more to what's going on here. Look at this story. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Hmm, where have we heard something like that? The nations will come to Jerusalem. Saying, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star. We saw his what? What's a star represent? What does the star give us? Light. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was alarmed. All of Jerusalem with him. After assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah, the Christ, to be born? Well, it's in Bethlehem of Judah, they said. It's funny. They knew exactly. And these are the, the, the experts in the law. These aren't the wise men here. They say, of course, I mean, born in Judea, Bethlehem. For it's written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. For you, out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Herod's worried. Why? Because this star, this light is pointing to a ruler. But it's what? Not him. He's worried. I'd be worried too if it wasn't me. If I'm in charge and somebody else is coming to take my place. But then Herod privately summoned the wise men and he determined, uh, determined from them where, when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Oh, go look carefully for the child. When you find him, inform me so I can worship him as well. Side note, but he's not being very honest here, okay? He's not a good guy. But after listening to the king, they left. And this is what I want you to, I want you to pay attention here, because this is, this is one of those, I, I, if, you don't, if, you're, if you don't get excited about this stuff, check your pulse. I don't get it. I mean, and once again, the star they saw, where was the star currently? Where had it brought them to? Over Jerusalem. The star was over, remember Isaiah? The light will shine over you. Where was the light at this point? Over Jerusalem. Well, that makes sense, right? Because what's in Jerusalem? The temple. And if the temple's there, what's also there? God's presence. But watch this. And once again, they saw the star when it rose and led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. What's going on here? It's moving. 
it moves from Jerusalem to where? Where the child is born. Now let me ask you a question. If the, the light has moved from Jerusalem, what will be with the light when it moves will also come where the light is. Is also Yahweh's what? Glory. And if His glory is there, His presence is there. And when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully as they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Who's worthy of worship? Yahweh alone. They worshipped this child. Telling you what? He is God with us. And they opened up their treasure boxes and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When the nations came from far away, they saw the light that resided over Jerusalem and it moved away and resided over this child. And with the light came the glory and the nations flowed to the light and they gave their what? Their gifts. You think this is any accident? I don't think so. The light leaves Jerusalem and it makes its way to rest over the child. The nations come. They bring riches. The light will shine. And where it shines, the glory of Yahweh will dwell. These men, these wise men, recognize that the light brought them to the one who was worthy of their worship the one called Emmanuel, to whom the light shines in the darkness. But not only that, it doesn't end there, does it? Turn with me to what we read earlier, John chapter 1. John chapter 1 starts off very interestingly, like we saw Genesis. How does Genesis start? In the beginning. God. John 1, in the beginning, interestingly, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. There's one who's called the Word. We don't know who He is yet, but He's called God. He's fully God. And the Word was with God in the beginning, and all things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. So the Word is the one who does all of the creating. Where might we find one who does all the creating? Back in Genesis chapter 1. Was there anything that was not made by the Word? Not according to John. And in Him was life. And that life was the what? The light of mankind. And that light shines on it in the darkness. But the darkness has not mastered the light. In him was light, and the life was what? Light. In the chaos, the light showed up. And the chaos has no mastery over him. But look further. A man came sent from John, whose name was John, or sorry, from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about what? The light. 
so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Sound familiar? He was in the world, and the world was created by him. Oh, man, here we are. But the world, what? Did not recognize him. The more things change, what? The more they stay the same. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or by human desire or a human's decision, but by God. And I love this. Verse 14, the word, the creator, the one who is the light and has life became what? Flesh. He became a man. And we miss this often in our English translations. I put it in there for you that he resided or he dwelt with us, but the word there, the, the Greek word, is that he what? Tabernacled among us. In him was light, and in the flesh was the tabernacle. His body was the what? The tabernacle. And in this body was the light and also the what? We saw his glory. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. It is in this man, Yeshua, the Word made flesh, the eternal God, the one who spoke light into the darkness of creation, who brings the light to all humanity and brings order to the chaos that the fullness of God dwelled. The glory of God resided in the earthly tabernacle that was his body. It is in Jesus that God was truly what? With us. And it's in Jesus that we can find life. In his name do we find it. And as he says in John 8, 12, he says, Jesus spoke, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will what? Never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the light, and if we follow him, we will never walk in darkness but we will have the light of life. This is why, church, we celebrate Christmas every year. To remember and worship the one who came to bring us the light so that we would never walk in darkness. So that we would have life in his name. So that we could behold the glory of Yahweh so that he might become like us. So that he may save us from our sins. So that he may be God with us. And he did just that. 
And what does he do? He calls us to have faith in his life and his work for us. Why? To bring us back into the presence of the Father. He is the tabernacle on earth, the one that is God with us to bring us into God's presence. Amen? He is part two of the trilogy. But the trilogy is not over, is it? For why? What, what happens to this tabernacle at the beginning of the book of Acts? It goes away, doesn't it? Look with me in Acts chapter 1. Verses 9 through 11, after Jesus says his final words in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 9, he says, And he said this while they were watching. He was lifted up on a cloud, interestingly, and hidden from their sight. And they were still staring into the sky while he was going. And suddenly two men in white clothing stood near them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? These men watched as the tabernacle left. And they waited for the glory to return. And soon it would. But that's for next week. Come back for part three. You don't want to miss it. The trilogy is incomplete without part three. Believe it or not, Christmas is incomplete without part three. Well, let me, I want to finish with this. This is uh, from a, a gentleman, R.G. Lee. He lived in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s. I just love this little poem that he, he put together about the beauty of Christmas and about the beauty of one who would come to be with us. I'm going to finish with this, and we'll pray, and we'll get together and sing, and then we're going to come together and remember and worship the one who would come to us by taking the communion. You can read along, or if you just want to listen to this, I love this. It says, Christ, who in eternity rested motherless upon the Father's bosom, and in time rested fatherless upon a woman's bosom, clasping the ancient of days who had been or become an infant of days. What deep descent. From the heights of glory to the depths of shame. From the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth. From exaltation to humiliation. From the throne to the tree. From dignity to debasement. From worship to loneliness. From the halls of heaven to the nails of earth. From the coronation to the curse. And from the glory place to the gory place. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined. Born with the animals, cradled in a cattle trough, Wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the creator born of the creature woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot ascend to him, he descended to us.
Amen? That is why we celebrate Christmas. Let's pray.